So we've been talking about man, what? Spirit, soul, and body. Okay, so we're going to talk about that this morning. And in case you got uh, accustomed to Keith being here and you got accustomed to not answering back anything, well, stir your engines, start them up, because this ain't just me talking. This is you being in church, right? And you get in it what you put out of it or you don't get nothing. Right? So uh, let's all be a part and pay attention. If you want to take a nap, that's what Sunday afternoons are for. Okay, so uh, we can do that on Sunday afternoon. So are we ready? We'll review really, really fast. Okay, we're done. No, we'll go a little slower than that so you can get it. Man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. And if you've missed all the teachings before this, I don't know how many tapes there are, but I guarantee it's not as many as Keith has had on his series. I think one of them has what, like 25 on one of his series? How many is that healing one? Does anybody know? 21, 31, it's not that many, okay, for this one. So you might have a chance to listen to them, okay? But spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit deals with what? The spiritual realm. It deals with your fellowship with the Father. It deals with you being able to overcome things. It deals with who you are in Christ. It deals with your in Him stuff. It deals with everything, the person that you are is your spirit. It's truly who you are, is your spirit. Okay? You are a spirit. That's who you are. You're never going to die. You're just going to leave this earthly realm and go to be with Jesus in heaven. Okay? That's who you are, a spirit. Okay? You have a soul. That's that thing that wants to whine and cry and feel sorry for itself. That thing. You know that thing? that you have to put under sometimes, okay? That's your soul. And then you have a thing called a body. You know that thing that has pain or hurts or feels bad or doesn't want to get up in the morning or slaps the alarm clock or that body that doesn't want to work out or that, you know that thing, body. We have a body, okay? So we talked about your spirit. Your spirit, we talked about how to build it up. How do you build your spirit up? Jude 20 tells us. Always go back to the Bible. Don't listen to what anybody told you. When you answer something, try to find verbatim scripture for it. Then you can never, ever go wrong. If I learned anything from my father in the faith, he said, where's the scripture? You remember the old Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? Okay? It's like you get this much little patty on a bun, okay? Every time somebody asks you something, don't quote your opinion, don't quote my opinion, don't quote Keith's opinion, don't quote your former pastor's opinion, don't quote the neighbor's opinion, don't quote the president's opinion, don't quote your mama's opinion, your daddy's opinion, your grandma's opinion, your aunt's opinion, your cousin's opinion, anybody's opinion. You get this book right here and you say, Jude 20 says, then what happens is, They can argue with you and your opinion. But you know what? They can't argue with this. They may try, but really in their heart, they know they can't. So let's try that one more time. How do you build up your spirit? Jude 20. But beloved. Yeah, 120. Thank you, because they'll put it up here. But beloved. 
building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So if anybody ever asks you the question, how do you become more spiritual? You are so smart. Yeah, Jude 1.20. How do you get more spiritual? Okay, how do you get more spiritual? How did you get so spiritual? You sure are spiritual. How did you get so spiritual? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude, I would probably say, you know what Jude one twenty says? Praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how you get it. Then they can't argue with you. Okay? So that's your spirit, all right? Then your soul. Okay? That soul thing. And as we t- and it's not soul food and it's not soul. <laughs> you know? Or soul. No, 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 no. Soul is the thing that tells you when you treat somebody bad, it's that thing on the inside of you, or when you throw something down or in the grocery store that tells you to bend down and pick it up, or the soul is the thing that, that tells you you mistreated them, or the soul is your voice of your spirit. It's the thing that tells you, nope, that's not the thing to do. Okay? When your soul tells you something, you should listen to it. If it's led by what? The Spirit. But your soul can also be led by what? The flesh. So you have to discern, am I being led by the Spirit? Or am I being led by the flesh? So that's what you have to decide. That's where the soul gets a little bit confusing. And we talked about that. The soul is the thing that can be led by the flesh or it can be led by the Spirit. Okay? And if you don't understand it, we did a whole, I think, two weeks on that one. So uh, you can go back there and get the tapes on it. And uh, the thing about this, the Spirit, we'll tell you, I'll read this to you, we went over it. The Spirit has a voice and it's called our conscience. And our inward voice guides us through our mind. It's the thing that tells us those things. And so we talked about, during that, right after that, we begin four ways to develop your spirit. Does anybody remember what those were? We're trying to wind up this morning, so I want to give you a quick review in case you weren't here. How many of you were here for 98% of it? Yeah, that's what I thought. See, so I can go really fast. Okay, meditate on the Word. Practice the Word. Because I got a good one this morning. Give the Word first place in your life. And instantly obey the voice of the Spirit. Now, we went into detail about every one of those, so we won't go into detail about it this morning, but I will tell you this one sentence that will help you. Worry from the outside cannot dominate us if we renew our bodies and minds and hearts by the Word of God. Worry from the outside cannot dominate us if we renew ourselves from the Word of God. So it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. It cannot dominate us if we'll renew ourselves from the Word. Okay, Lester Summerall used to say this all the time, and I totally live by it. Other people's heads is no place to find your happiness. Do you understand that? 
other people's heads is no place for you to look for your happiness or to find your happiness. Okay? Only through your spirit and only through God. So you can build your spirit up and be happy all the time no matter what's going on around you. Okay? So this morning we're going to talk about our last and final part of man, spirit, soul, and the fun part. The body. Right? Okay, the body. And when I was thinking about talking about this, I've heard a lot of teaching about man, spirit, soul, and body. And I've heard a lot of teachings about the body. And I said, Lord, what is, what is the deal with the body? You know, you can hear other people's teachings, but it's only what ministers to you that helps you. You know, and you can only give out what you really, truly receive and understand for yourself. You can hear other people teach it, but unless it ministers to you, you can't really sell it to anybody else. You've seen products before. You know, okay, diet pills. How many of you have seen diet pills on the market? How many of you just go out and buy them? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so you couldn't just go up to somebody and say, take this pill, you're going to lose 50 pounds. Why? Because you don't believe in it. Right? You have to believe part of the word for it to work for you. You can't sell parts of the word that do not work for you. But now, if you took a diet pill and you lost a pound a day for 30 days, man, I don't care how bad you thought it was or tasted or whatever it did, you'd be telling everybody about it. Everybody that you come in contact with, you'd try to be quiet about it, but you couldn't because you were so excited about it, about what it did for you. Well, that's what you have to do when you hear things from the Word. You have to find out how do I apply this and how do I work this. We do have the Word and we do have Spirit-led teachers in our lives. But you also have the greater one, the Holy Ghost living inside of you. And he'll take what I say or what Keith says and he will mold it to fit what's going on in your life. And he'll take a little piece here and a little piece there and a little piece here and a little piece there. He'll take something from this person's sermon and this person's sermon and this person's sermon and this person's word and this person's word. And you'll have a nice little neat package that'll help you overcome something. I don't truly believe that it's just one thing that happens that really helps you overcome something. It may be you're reading your chapter and you'll think about, oh, you know what, Brother Moore said this, and that kind of goes with this, and then Mrs. Moore said this, and then you know what, I heard Brother Kenneth say this, and then you've got your answer, right? So that's kind of the way it is with me about teaching on the body. Because, you know, like I've told you, I weighed... 200 pounds, and you saw the video, so you know I'm telling the truth. And I tried everybody's diet and everything under the sun, but it didn't work for me. You know, and for those of you who don't know me, when I married my husband, I was quite rebellious because I had a mother that led our house. And we didn't know any different. We thought that that was the way that things were supposed to go. And Keith had a dad that led his house, and so you put uh, two cats, like Keith says, together and tie their tails across the clothesline and they're going to be together but there will not be any harmony. 
Right? I mean, just because you're together does not make harmony. Right? So the body is a very important part of our lives. And anybody that tells you that it's not misled you. Okay? Because you want to know something? The body did not get saved the day that you got saved. It did not. Your body, when you got saved that day, how many of your bodies, when you got saved that day, got transformed, you lost all your weight, your gray hair turned back to brown, and your eyes, you know, got straight, and you totally got healed, and everything got perfect in you that day? Raise your hand for me. I don't see it. But when you were saved, you were born anew. You were a new creature. Everything about your past was totally washed away. You were a new baby. You were perfectly clean. Everything was new. But that body of yours did not change. So what that means is, just because you call yourself a Christian and Christ-like does not totally make us a Christian. Let me explain. Now, I don't know you all yet real well, but I know me pretty good. A little. When I got saved, like I say, I was a tad bit rebellious. Don't ask Keith. And when I got saved, you know what? I was still a tad bit rebellious. You know what? A car, if you, okay, you are a human. You go and you, you, this is the driveway and this is the garage, okay? And here you are, you're pulling in, you're coming down the lane and you pull in just like this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Not a car, a person. And you park and you're in the garage. And you just stay there. Does that make you a car? Because you pulled in and you parked in the garage? No, you're still a person. Right? Okay, y'all are not paying attention close enough because nobody's answering me really. So let's drive. We may have to drive all day. Okay, I drive down the lane. Phyllis in my body. Here I go. I drive down the lane. Phyllis in my body. And I park in the garage. And I push the button and I close the door. And I just park there. I'm going to become a car because I stay there a long time. I am going to become a car because I'm in a garage. I'm still a person. Right? Just because you come and sit in this church and listen to me preach or Keith preach or another person preach does not make you a Christian. What is a Christian? Christ-like. What makes us a Christian is becoming like Christ. Yes, we're saved. But being saved does not make us Christians. 
Uh-oh, I just blew somebody out of the water. Being saved does not make us Christians. Being Christians makes us being Christ-like. And to become Christ-like, what we have to do is put these bodies under. You understand that? Let me give you some scriptures, okay? Romans 12, verse 1. And this is the King James. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that your wife or your husband present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Wait a minute. That your parents present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. That your pastor present your body... As a living sacrifice. What? Now we're all used to texting, right? We all have shortened words, right? What does that little Y-E mean? Huh? Only, Only about a quarter of you are paying attention. Let's see. Let me go back here. What does Y-E mean? Who is you? Me. That me present my body. That me has to do something, right? Me, when I get saved, has to do something with this body. Me has to do it. Not the pastor, not my mama, not my daddy, not my husband, not my brother, not my cousin, not my aunt, not my uncle. I have to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So when you got saved... Your spirit man did get saved. It became new. But in order for your body to become new, we have to do what? We have to present our body and renew our mind in order for our body to come in line with that word. Elsewise, your body will do exactly the same thing today as it did this morning if you got saved. If you got saved... We, we have an altar call this morning, and you get saved. Your body will go out this afternoon and rob a bank if you let it. Your body will go out this afternoon and have an affair if you let it. It will steal, it will cheat, it will do whatever you let it do. God is not going to tie you and say, no, you can't do this. Do you know What a wonderful thing God did. Do you know, yesterday I was thinking about God. I mean, I'm studying for this sermon. And I I went, okay, God. I just talked to God. He knows how I am, okay? (laughs) Why did you give us this body? You could have just sent us all down here as a spirit. And we wouldn't have to put this body under. We'd never have to worry about getting mad. We'd never have to worry about getting sad. We'd never have to worry about uh, 
losing our temper. We'd never have to worry about eating too much. We'd never have to worry about worry. We could just be spirits. And we'd be so kind to everybody, no matter if they stomped our toe or they slapped us or they talked about us. We'd never have to worry about our bills. We'd never have to worry about anything. Why did you give us this body? I'm not going to tell y'all because y'all ain't paying close enough attention. (laughs) Y'all ain't answering me. Y'all will answer me now, won't you? Yeah, what did he say, huh? Think about it just a minute. Your spouse, your children... Do you want someone loving you because you make them love you? Do you want someone buying you gifts because you make them buy you gifts or you demand that they buy you gifts? Do you want someone serving you because you make them serve you? Do this because I said do it. You want them loving you and serving you and worshiping you because why? Because they love you. Because they want to. Because they choose to. Because they have a total free will. They can choose to do whatever they want to do. But yet and still, they love you so much that they're going to choose to not have an affair. They love you so much that maybe you like purple better. They're going to wear purple. They love you so much that maybe they like your hair blonde. You're going to wear your hair blonde. They love you so much that maybe they like you a certain size. So you're going to be that size. They love you so much that maybe you want to live in this state so you're going to move with them. Do you understand that? You love that person so much. Your children, for instance. You want them to love you so much that they'll just go clean up their room and listen to you. Why? Because you made them do it? Because they love you. That is why God gave us bodies. So that we can choose. We have a choice. We have a choice to present our bodies to Him. It's our choice. But we choose because we love Him. We choose because He loved, not not because of anything He did for us necessarily, but just because we love Him. We love Him so much that we want to do what He loves. I hear about airplanes sometimes 50% of my day. 
Why? Because I love airplanes? Huh? Because he enjoys talking about airplanes and what they can do and how fast they can go and can they go from here to here without stopping and can they go up this fast, this high and how soon can they get up that fast and how soon can they come down that fast and do they have to have their thrust reversers to stop on the short of a runway or do they have to go in? I know. <laughs> and is it because I want to know? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I know this much. I love him. And I love being with him. And that, if that's what brings him joy, I love hearing about it. And I'll sit there and I'll look up pictures and I'll see pictures and I'll look and we'll look and we'll see the interior of this one and we'll see the interior of that one and this one's got this kind of carpet and this one's got this kind of winglet and this one's got a hot, uh, uh, stainless wing and this one's got a wet wing. Oh, Perry, you know. Am I right? That's our airplane mechanic. He knows I'm right. And I can tell you this airplane will do this and this airplane will do this and this will go this fast and this will go this fast. Oh, yeah, we know. Is it because he makes me do it? Do you think he would enjoy it if he said, now sit down here. I want you to learn about these airplanes with me. What fun would there be in that? Absolutely none. What love would there be in that? Absolutely none. But the reason it's enjoyable to him is because I enjoy doing it with him and for him. Amen. That's the way our Father God is. He gave us a choice about our bodies. He gave us a choice about what we can and cannot do. He, when he sent Jesus, he said, your sin's gone. It's washed clean. Now choose what you want to do. I tell you to choose life. Choose serving me. Choose presenting yourself. But you know what? It's your choice. Do what you want to do with your body. Sin with it. Lie, steal, cheat, rob banks, have affairs. your body but this is what I'm asking you to do the living body Bible says dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's why he gave us a body, so that we could choose to serve him and worship him. Nobody's going to make you come in here on a Sunday morning and worship God. Why do you worship Him? 
because you want to. Your body presenting to him is another form of worship. And the more you worship him, the greater you present your body. And that's basically what it is. So we're going to talk about some of the different things. Listen to what Paul says. He looks at it from a little bit different angle also. He says, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He also says this in the Amplified this way. I, like a boxer, buffet my body. I handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming it to others, the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. People oftentimes come to me and they'll say, is this okay to do? Is this okay to do? What do you think about this? Is this sin? Can we do this? Can we do that? What do you think? It's a very, very simple answer in my book. It's not complicated. I can't judge what's sin to you and what's not sin to you, but I can tell you this. I take this verse very seriously. Can you chew him out? Let him have it. Steal from him. Go into a store, cuss him out because your bill was overcharged. She's a waitress. Can you tell her how sorry your meal was, how bad it was? Mistreat her. Can you, a bellman or a a person that brings your groceries or does anything like that, mistreat them as a low person? Then... God said, you know what? They don't know the Lord. Go back and witness to them. Go back and witness to her. Go back and witness to him. That's the test. That is the test. Can you do what you do to others with your body and your mouth and then immediately turn around and witness to them about the Lord? That's what makes us Christ-like. That's what we should think about. That's why Paul said he buffets his body. He keeps it under. He doesn't let it just do whatever it wants to do. People say, can I go to this movie? I say, hey, that's between you and God. But I do want to ask you this question. Can you go in there and watch a naked lady on a screen have sex with someone that's not her husband for hour after hour and walk out of that theater and look someone square in the eye and witness to them? Do you have the confidence to do that? When they were sitting right next to you in that movie. I'm not your judge. I'm no one's judge. I just like for you to have the confidence that if God deals with you instantly to witness someone, to save them from going to hell, do you have the confidence to do it? That's all that matters to me. Because that's what our job is. When we got saved, we were supposed to become what? 
Christ-like. So in order to become Christ-like, Jesus, what was Jesus' main job while he was here? Serve, to get people saved, to keep them from going to hell, to be a witness, to get people to believe in him so they didn't have to go to hell. I am the Christ. Everybody come in contact with. They believed because they came in contact with him. Or didn't, the Pharisees and Sadducees, but the ones that did. Was to get them to believe. That's what our job is. It's not to judge people because they did or didn't do something wrong. Our job is when we come in contact with people, are they closer to believing in Christ than when you left them? That's what our bodies should be for. That when we leave a situation, does it put people any closer to believing in God? That's what Paul was talking about. I keep my body under. I don't let it lose its temper no matter how bad they treat me, no matter what they do to me, because I may need to witness to them. I may need to help them. That's what he's talking about. Now let's read another verse, and then I'll get into something a little bit different. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? What? Isn't there a commercial that says that? I don't watch TV enough. Somebody used to say it all the time. The youth used to say it to me all the time. What? Somebody explain to me what they meant. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, which are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do y'all know why it's so quiet in here right now? Y'all want to learn something? Y'all know why it's so quiet in here right now? Y'all want to learn something? Brother Hagin used to say, let him that's ignorant be ignorant still, but I don't think y'all want to be ignorant, right? Because the devil did not like what I said about going to movies with naked people in them. And half the crowd felt condemned. But you know what? God is not into condemnation. It's not his thing. He doesn't do it. If you're comfortable with doing what you're doing, you can do whatever you want to do. He did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to jerk the slack out of you. He's not going to do anything to you. But we're going to get into some things in just a minute that will help you. So hang on. Don't get upset. (laughs) Smile. Now the rest of you. Smile. Okay, good. We'll try it again. Okay, the Amplified says, Do you know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you? whom you have received as a gift from God. You're not your own. You were bought with a price, purchased with a precious and paid for and made his own. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. 
The message says this. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not the same piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God through your spirit. Do, does the world see you through your spirit? How does the world see you? Through your body. So let's talk about what I called delayed results. You know what I mean by that? Hebrews says, well, let me just read it to you. I think you'll get the picture here. Hebrews says, choosing rather to suffer affliction, it's talking about Moses, with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for what? A season. So sin does have pleasures for a short period of time. Anybody that told you it didn't lie to you. Sin is fun for about this long. But it has what I call delayed results. Let me explain. You want me to explain? Okay. Your body, for instance, since we are talking about the body. Your physical part of your body. Your eating part of your body. Delayed results. Do you not know if you go to the freezer and get that carton, that half a gallon of chocolate ice cream out and eat the whole thing, what will it do to you? And you do that every day for a month. What will it do? Will it do it the first night? Will it do it the second night? The third night? Time has to pass. Because you know what would happen if the first night you ate that half a gallon of ice cream, you gained 20 pounds, what would happen? You wouldn't do it again. I guarantee you, you would go out and buy a chain and a padlock if you had to, and you would padlock that refrigerator. But it's because it gradually sneaks up on you. And you don't see it all of a sudden. That's the way the devil works. He does not let you see instant results for sin. The things that you do with your body, he plays them out. And he, and he barely, barely shows you the results of them, just a little bit at a time. So he does that so that you will get so deep into it that you can't really turn back. You get addicted. Because you know the first night you ate that half a gallon of ice cream, you were just upset. 
say you ate the half a gallon. But then the second night you liked it. And the third night you really wanted it. And the fourth night you had to have it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that your flesh? It's the same thing with a cigarette or a beer or those drugs or anything else. The first night you did it to forget about what was going on. You didn't see any bad results. You didn't die. You didn't have any uh, cancer. You didn't have any um, TB or syphilis or whatever the first night. But he got your body addicted to it. And he gradually puts you into it a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more until you need it. It's the same way with looking at porn. It's the same way with everything that your body wants to do. He has a delayed result for your action. He does not show you the night that you look at porn that if you continue to do that, you will be addicted to it and it will destroy your marriage. And it won't be enough, so you'll have an affair. That's what your body does. He doesn't show you that. All he shows you is that it's okay for tonight for you to look at that. What's wrong with that? It says if a, if a woman lusts, if a man lusts after a woman, well, I'm not lusting at her, I'm just looking at her. And, and they reason it out. And they come up with all these ideas. And God is not into sin. And he's not into condemnation. And he's not into making you feel bad. And, and he doesn't even have to do anything. It's our flesh that does it. And the devil just dangles a little carrot and we just keep following. And so the delayed result is what started four years ago is now a divorce that you can't stop doing because you're addicted to it. It's every part of our bodies. Did you think about when you were 12 years old and you took that first puff of a, off of a cigarette that you didn't even like? I know my mom. She did it to be cool. All the girls were smoking. All these were smoking. I know, I know. She didn't think about how addicted she would be to cigarettes and it would cause her to die of cancer. Lung cancer. I know she didn't think about that. All she thought about was how fun it was to be cool with the girls in school. But it's the delayed result that the devil gets us involved in that gets us to stick with his plan. He doesn't show us the things that it will bring us to. But all the while that you're doing it, the reason that we talked about these other things before we talked about this one is because the night that you get that half a gallon of ice cream out the refrigerator or the night that you shoot those drugs or the night that you drink that whiskey or the night that you do those things, there's something inside of you saying, don't take that sip. Don't take that draw. Don't do this. Don't look at that picture. And the reason that you're unable to stop from doing it is because your flesh is stronger than your spirit. And we have yielded to our flesh so much more than our spirit that it overruns us.
And every person in this room has an area where they have yielded to their flesh. And any person that will look you in the eye and says that they don't is a L-I-E-L-I-A-R. I'll be like potato, potato. Liar. They are a liar. Because every, there was only one perfect man. Just one. So every person that says that they have never had any trouble putting their flesh under, that they've never... It even says Jesus was tempted in all points, but never did it. Why did he never did it? Because his spirit was stronger than his flesh. So how do we win against the devil with battles against overeating? How do we win against the devil with battles about looking at porn or, or having sexual affairs or, or drinking or drugs or overspending or overeating or any myriad of things that our body wants to do? Build up our spirit. So that when the temptation arises, what did... Jesus tell his disciples in the garden before he was taken. Why? Lest ye be tempted. Pray lest ye be tempted. What does it tell us that we are supposed to do? To pray, to do what? What did you 20 tell us? To do what? To build ourselves up. So Jesus was telling them if they would pray, they might not even see temptation. You know, it's the funniest thing. The devil may not tempt Peter with overspending, but he may tempt Eva. He may never in his lifetime be tempted the other way around. Okay. Okay, he may not tempt Eva with overspending, but he's going to tempt Peter to go by that bass boat every other day. Yeah. But he may not tempt him with overeating, but he may her. Oh, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's going to be an area that the devil knows about you. How does he know it? Because he's watched you. He ain't that smart. He's just watched you. And he's dangled it out in front of you. So he's going to tempt you in the area that you're the weakest in. But if you build yourself up, then you don't even get online with Amazon.com. Or you don't watch those shopping channels. Or you don't buy a computer and leave it to where you can look at porn. Or you get those channels taken off of your TV completely. Do you understand what I'm saying? Therefore, you're not even tempted in it. The devil knows how to tempt us. But if we'll pray in the Holy Ghost, we will be so built up that when the temptation comes, we'll go, Oh, that was a temptation. I realize that now. Hmm. And just walk on. Just walk on. And we won't fall. We won't fall in every one of the devil's traps that he sets for us. 
we won't be filing bankruptcy. We won't be falling into sin. And we won't have mental breakdowns. And we won't have failed marriages. And we won't have all the things that the rest of the world has. Because we won't be tempted like the rest of the world has. We do have a spirit. We do have a soul. And we do have a body. How would Keith feel? Marriage to me is a lot like God in the church, you know, and, and a lot of things. How would he feel? I am his bride. We are the bride of Christ. How would he feel if I was constantly looking at other men? Would that bless him? Are you sure? How would he feel if I was constantly saying other men look better than him? How would he feel if I was constantly overspending and taking our money and keeping us so tight all the time that I, I was so, my mind was so bogged down with money things that I couldn't focus to do the job that we were supposed to do? How would he feel had I not lost the weight that I needed to lose? I already believe in God for the confidence to get up in front of people. Had I not done that to have the confidence to get up in front of people that I couldn't help him when I needed to help him? Would I be showing my love to him if I did all those things? Okay, we are the bride of Christ. We are his bride. We are his glory. We are what brings God glory. You, 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 every person in this room. Whether you think you do or not, you bring God glory. In everything you do, everything you say, every place you go, you bring God glory. In how you act. And that's the way we do it, because we are the bride of Christ. If I went out and did things that brought shame on Keith, would I be bringing him glory? If I talked bad about him or I did things that made him look bad, would I be bringing him glory? If I went out and chewed people out all the time and made the church look bad and him look bad, would I be bringing him glory? We are his bride. We are God's bride. That's what we are to do with these bodies. That's why he gave us these bodies. And he gave us the power to overcome anything that the devil throws at us. If we spent an eighth, a sixteenth, a thirty-second of the time praying in the spirit that we do, feeding our flesh, we could overcome anything that the devil threw at us. If we spent, and I'm just going to tell you the truth, you know me, I am anyway, if we spent 15 minutes a day uninterrupted, not driving, not with a TV on, not with a child, not with anything, 15 minutes a day praying in the Holy Ghost, it would change our lives forever and eternity. 15 minutes. 
I wouldn't care if you had to set your alarm clock and get up 15 minutes earlier before the dog got up. I'm not talking about your husband <laughs> or your wife. 15 minutes. If you did 15 minutes, maybe you're so already in deep, trenched into that temptation, you think, I can't get out. I'm already there. I'm already bound by it. I'm already, I already have to have the drugs. I already have to have this. I already, I'm already in love with the other person. I'm already this. Nothing that you have gotten yourself involved to with is too big for God. Do you know that it is the most wonderful and glorious thing to me? I think it is the greatest joy about serving God. It's the most, it brings the biggest smile to my face. It's to see that the devil has taken 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years to put chains around somebody and bind them up and get them all tied up in a situation. And about that long, God sets them free. He ain't as big as a gnat in your life. He ain't as big as, what do you call them, no see down here? He ain't, we call them red bugs. Yeah, red bugs. No seams. He ain't as big as a no seam down here. Do you know that? He can work for eternity. I mean, decade after decade after decade after decade, putting chains around you and binding you and tying the knot in all these sailor's knots and all these knots that you can't even figure out how to get untied. And all it takes is the anointing for five whole seconds on your life and every chain can be broken off of you. He makes himself up to be so big and so great and so powerful, but he ain't nothing. He ain't nothing. He is a defeated foe thrown into the pit of hell. And the only power he can have over you is what you give him. That's the only power he can have, is what I give him and what you give him. So we can do this, guys. We can do it. We can spend 15 minutes every day just praying in the Holy Ghost, just praying, building ourselves up and doing what Jesus says. Pray lest you enter into temptation then we won't have the temptations overtaking our lives that everybody else has. We won't have the ruined marriages. We won't have the addicts. We won't have the overweight situations where we feel condemned. We won't have the condemnation running our lives that the world has. We'll be just like these ushers taking these aisles and strutting and smiling. Right? Walking right. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet with me. I want us to do that just a minute. I want us, if you're in here this morning and you have been bound by absolutely anything, I mean, I don't care if you're bound by watching soap operas. I don't care if you're bound by taking uh, 
something to sleep. I don't care if you're bound by talking about your mother-in-law. I don't care if you're bound by uh, snapping at your husband. I don't care if you're bound by being bitterness at your boss or your, uh, your ex-wife. I don't care. I mean, those are all bondages. Did you know that? You can get in the habit of doing those things, you know? I don't care if you're bound by drugs or alcohol or porn or affairs. I don't care if you're bound by uh, something you have to take every day. I don't care. Name some things for me. You, huh? Coca-Cola. Yeah. Co- coffee. Yeah. Caffeine. I don't care if you're bound by a certain toothpaste. I mean, I think... I, <laughs> Hey, I am the type of person, if I think I have to have something, I will give it up completely. I am. I'm just that way. I'm like, okay, a a few weeks ago I said, "Mm, you know what? I've been drinking a lot of coffee lately and I drink about this much in the morning. And I quit. I thought, I'm not going to do that for a little while. Because I don't want to be bound by anything. I don't want God to say, okay, you go to China or you go to uh, this island someplace and they don't have coffee. Oh, I'd be in a mess. I don't want God not to be able to use me any way that he wants to use me. Do you understand that? And if he says, you know, you go here and they don't have a coffee maker, then I would have been in a mess. Because, I mean, a lot of places now I would take my coffee maker. And I thought, that's ridiculous. You're laughing. What do you got? Uh Uh-huh, you take yours. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, so... I would suspect, I would have everybody come to the altar, but if you're honest, if you're totally honest, every person in here would be at this altar. Because every person in here is bound by something. By something. So we're just going to say this all together. And we're going to start just like you got saved today in your body. How about that? Y'all should be more excited about that. Because you know what? When you get set free, you're free what? Indeed. Indeed. And you know what? It's wonderful to glorify God in your body to where that you can serve Him freely and you don't have any condemnation about anything and you lay your head on the pillow at night and you think, God, I just love you. And the devil don't say, yeah, but what about you did this today? And he don't say, what about you did that and you did this? And you just go, but I didn't. Right? Right. So let's pray. Bow your heads. Father God, you're such a totally awesome God. The devil tries so hard to win in our lives, but he can't do anything to us because you're so big and you're so good and you're so awesome and you can break chains off of our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our souls that he's taken decades to put on in about five holes or one whole second, Father. So we're here lifting our bodies to you this morning, Father. We lift everything in our lives to you this morning. That is not a blessing to you, Father. Everything in our bodies that does not bring glory to you. Even though we've thought we wanted to keep it, that's just our flesh. 
Because I know there's not a person in here that enjoys sin or they wouldn't be here this morning. It's just the devil twisting their hearts and their minds just as I would never enjoy sin. So, Father, I just ask you for your grace and your mercy to overcome every situation in this place, whether it be overeating, overspending, taking things, doing things. You know every situation that's here this morning, Father. Whether it's be the person, whether it be the person that's been overweight from the time they were six years old and they're 60 today. You can grace them and give them the ability to do whatever they need to do. Whether it be the person that takes something to sleep every night, Father, and they've had to do it for 40 years, you can grace them to be free from that. Whether it be the person that's looked at porn for 20 years, Father, you can give them the ability to turn the computer off or turn that TV off, Father. Whether it be the person that's got a lover on the side, Father, you can give them the strength to know that you're greater and you're the one that gives love, Father, and you're the one that can fill those places in people's hearts. I just ask you, Father, now for the greatest amounts of mercy and the greatest amounts of grace to come and flood people's hearts, flood their bodies, and help them to overcome. As they begin to pray in the spirits, that you multiply every moment that they pray in the Spirit and build them up supernaturally against any temptation that comes against them. That they're able to resist all the trials and temptations and wiles of the devil. That they're able to see his test and trials before they come and resist them. That you enlighten their eyes so that they can see everything that's set before them as a trial. And they resist it and they come against it by your faith and by your grace in Jesus' name. Because greater is he that's in them than he that is in this world. And they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. So I thank you for it in advance. And every person in this room that agrees with that will say amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord.